You are listening to the Evolution Exchange NHS podcast. We shine a light on the topics that matter to digital and data leaders in the NHS. I'm Alex Faulkner, and I help connect digital leaders with interim talent in the NHS, and I'm your host. So just to go around the room then, um, I thought I'd start off with a quick introduction for this podcast with RPA at Leeds. Um, my name is Alex Faulkner. Um, I am a senior business manager here at Evolution. Um, my job is to connect IT and tech contractors to NHS organisations um, and also run events like this to connect like-minded individuals in the NHS. Um, I'm joined by three lovely people from the NHS today, um, specifically Leeds. I'm going to go to Camilla first. Introduce yourself. Hi, my name's Camilla Gow and I'm the Robotic Process Automations Business Manager. I do sit within the Outpatient Clinical Service Unit at Leeds Teaching Hospitals. Okay, fantastic. And how, how, how many years have you been at Leeds, may I ask? I've worked here for around nine years now, predominantly with an outpatient background. Okay, fantastic. Thank you, Camilla. Uh, Rob, over to yourself. Yeah. Uh, hi, my name is Rob Child. I'm a programme manager in the outpatient CSU. Um, so I support Camilla, Leslie and uh, another member of staff called Kerry um, um, with RPA and, and help them sort of develop it. And how, you know, how do we take it to the masses, really? Um, so that's where I kind of slot in. Fantastic. Same question to you, Rob. How many years at Leeds have you got? Um, 19, Ooh, I think. Wow, that's some good going, that is. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good going. Cheers, Rob. Uh, and, and last but not least, Leslie, over to yourself. Yes, I'm Leslie Case and I'm the Robotic Process Automation Developer at Leeds. Perfect. Thank you, Leslie. And, and sort of same question, your background. I think you're fairly new to Leeds, or should I say, from a private sector background. Is that is that right? Yeah, I've been with the Trust about a year. Before that, I was working in the finance sector. Fantastic. Okay, fantastic. Thank you for all uh, all your introductions. Um, I'm going to jump straight in then. Um, obviously, people are really keen to find out around sort of what leads RPA journeys look like. So I'm going to sort of throw an open question out there um, and I sort of value all of your inputs. What has leads or your RPA journey been so far? I don't know if anyone wants to, to kick off with that. Rob, over to yourself, maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, our RPA journey started a long time ago, actually. As as most things do in the NHS, um, <laughs> pre pre COVID, so probably a few years before twenty twenty, so probably around two thousand seventeen eighteen, um, we came across RPA technology, um, and 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 it sort of got us intrigued really. So we kind of went on a journey, and that's where we bumped into Darren actually. Mm-hmm. So he was sort of what felt at the time, whether it's true or not, was was kind of the only place in the NHS, you know, really, really actually doing anything with RPA. So we kind of did a lot of talking to um, uh, to Darren and to a company called Thoughtonomy that were actually um, bought out by Blue Prism. Okay. Um, but we started talking and, and, and sort of understanding kind of how it worked and what the benefits were. And, and it was quite clear that actually this was a bit of a game changer. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started to put together a business case, really, in trying to push um get get people interested in it really and that was where it's it's quite a hard slog when there's something as as kind of new to the nhs as that was um and whether people sort of believed it you know how did it work etc um so but we you know we went on a it was probably about a two or three year journey trying to get people interested in it we rewrote rewrote the business case a number of times you know we got our finance colleagues uh interested um did that then it was coming out quite expensive in terms of the whole whole package and what we what we needed so it had to go right up to our uh, board 
Um, so I remember actually I was on leave at the time, and then our, our who one of our um, ops directors now um, he he took it to the board and presented it, and it got sort of it got the okay. Mm. Um, and then um, it kind of got born out of outpatients, really. Even though it's a universal piece of technology, it was it was really it was really our previous general manager, so Rich Moyles, mm-hmm. um, who's now left us, um, but he was willing to take take a punt on it. Um, and at that point, actually, I kind of I went I moved roles and went back into um, DIT, so informatics. Um, and I let Rich carried on the journey, carried on the torch, really. So that's where I kind of lost touch with it. Um, but quite nicely, I've come back into it, and now I'm seeing the benefit of it. Um, so that's you know, Camilla came into post, Leslie came into post, Kerry came into post. Um, so so in terms of in terms of the journey, I'd have to let Camilla and Leslie tell the next part of the story of you know how did it actually operationalize? Yeah, fantastic, Camilla. Then maybe over to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So um, myself and Rich decided we were signed off and ready to to bring it in. We had picked outpatient referrals as a start process, uh, like many other trusts do, because it's such a big hitter. So much Mm. time can be saved from doing that. Um, What we did find is it was mid-COVID pandemic, so the the trust itself was under so many pressures. So to bring in such a large project seemed a little bit daunting to start with, but actually (laughs) it was a bit of a saving grace for us all over at Outpatients because it was the thing you could look forward to. It was something that was going to have such a positive impact in such a bad and a bit of a dark time for everybody um, at the time we didn't have a, an RPA team like we mm. do now so we were quite dual skilled uh, dual hatted mm. so I was in projects at the time with a colleague and um, so we were kind of having to juggle around the RPA platform as well as a few other bits and bats we had going on so we we called upon other RPA colleagues, so like Rob mentioned, we used Darren and the Royal Free mm. team. We used the company. We used. We went to so many other people. We went to, I think it was Mark down at Markham Bay, just to understand their journey really and where we can go next, and and just to make sure it wasn't going to just be an outpatient tool and try and spread that word. So we kind of self taught a little bit and made mm. it work until we got to a point where actually we needed um, a developer to take it a little bit further within the trust and that's where we got to Leslie so we'd done a couple of processes but actually the turning point for us were getting Leslie in and being able to to build our own processes amend processes that had already been in that maybe needed revamping and and that's kind of how we started to grow. Okay, fantastic. Yes, yeah, so, so Leslie, to yourself, not a lot of obviously NHS organisations have full-time devs. You know, there's obviously the select few, but you're you're one of them. How was it for you? You know, transitioning from a financial section to NHS, and and what's it been like so far? It's been very exciting for me, really. Yeah. I came in at the point when all the hard work had been done. You know, the platform was in. You know, they'd already got a process automated, so people were already starting to see the benefit. Mm. So for me, it was just making sure that that momentum kept going and that we were getting more and more bots live moving from the finance sector into nhs the terminology completely different as with Mm. any career uh, anything any organization you go to there's always going to be the acronyms that throw you uh, very different processes but the processes to me are far more interesting understanding Mm. what goes on in the nhs is much more interesting than a mortgage or savings book (laughs) (laughs) and it's a very it's a it's a more i can appreciate there's probably more of a a sense of purpose doing this kind of work in the nhs i'm sure that's an obvious but does that actually affect how how you work 
Definitely for me, um, I'd always wanted to work for the NHS. Mm. So when an RPA role came available and a trust that was local to me, I, I absolutely jumped to the bit. I just mm. had to have the job. All right, man. I love that. That's that's really good to hear. Um, because like I said, not a lot of trusts do have these sort of full time devs, and I think it's ever growing. Um, and it's exciting. Sort of sounds like Leeds got on it fairly early. I don't know if that's a fair mm. fair comment. Um, uh, but it does sound like you know you guys have jumped on it fairly early, and now sort of people are trying to catch up, and and you're mm. maybe that two steps ahead. Yeah, yeah. I think we are. You know, we're very lucky to you know have Leslie. Um, mm. We do, you know, it is a luxury for, to have a, a, a substantive role of that mm. nature um, mm. in the trust. So we, it, it allows us to push forward really quickly where other mm. trusts, you know, even when they've got a platform, still struggle to automate because they haven't got somebody that can, and they're just, and, and we can work through the problems very easily because we've got local knowledge and local mm. intelligence where, you know, you bring in, expertise from outside sometimes they struggle like you know mm. leslie's talked about it's 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 different so mm. having that local knowledge really helps so you know when leslie has a question she'll she'll no doubt call on camilla mm. um, and myself just to kind of go i don't understand this bit what how does that bit work mm. and then working with the teams that we're automating for as well so they're really keen that you know the even though we've had it for a while and we've mainly concentrated on outpatient processes, um, mm. now the, I think the organisation is waking up to the actual the potential of this now. So we've been to a number of uh, different meetings and we have a waste conference. Uh, we mm. had that probably about a month ago now. Um, and just kind of going like, this isn't just an out, don't see this as an outpatient tool. This is a trust-wide tool that can help you with, you know, automate lots of different processes um, so we're kind of now getting so much interest internally of, mm. you know, we get on a daily basis going, oh, we've just been talking about this, you know. So I know Camilla's been out to one of our other hospitals today, so Chapel Allerton, and she got, you know, message back going, Janine's got a boatload, you know, got a, mm. a list as long as your arm, mm. which is great for us because now what we want to do is to kind of, we want to grow as a team. Um, and sort of say, look at the demand that the RPA, look at the benefits that it can bring, uh, you know, time saved, um, sustainability, safety, lots of different things. Um, mm. and, and how can we kind of get, how can we grow and, and fulfill, you know, tackle this backlog? Mm. Um, but the more people, you know, is it like Camilla said, it's a really exciting thing to go and take to people because one, they don't sort of, they look at you like you've got two heads when you talk about it but it, 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 it's 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 a really positive thing to kind of go mm. let's show you how we can help you and some of the processes that we come across really is some of the stuff is absolutely crazy so as well as automating we're kind of streamlining as well go let's look at your process let's look how we could maybe do it differently because a lot of the time is you you might not automate what they do now because it's mm. it's inefficient where we can actually help automate it um make it more efficient automate it and, and then and then go from there and demonstrate the benefits but uh, you know we do get some you know people like oh your bot's done this and your bot and it's like it can't make a mistake <laughs> it cannot make a mistake <laughs> so we get a lot of well, not a lot we do from time to time but it, again it's nervousness about trusting you know mm. that it's working that it's doing you know and that it, there is the whole like they're here to take my job yeah you know we're not we're not these robots are not here to take anybody's job they're actually mm. there to help free up help and aid yeah to give people more fulfilling roles mm. you know um yeah. 
And then even, you know, talking about RPA development and stuff and going, actually, if the market's quite tight, you know, for RPA developers or very, you know, financially challenged, how do we grow our own staff? You know, could we have a training scheme to maybe, you know, build that knowledge up internally? And then, you know, like you say, we're quite ahead in our region um, as a trust. So it's like, how do we support the region? And is there something around having a northern centre of excellence, something mm. around that? Mm. And, and mm. Or, or certainly within our within our region, just to kind mm. of say, you know, for, you know, your Bradfords, your Calderdales, you know, how can we all support each other and help automate across the region? Mm. Um, so that's where we're kind of looking to... It's a, it a really good point because obviously you know, there's the sort of centre of excellence that's popping up. You know, there's one down south, and there's one in the Midlands. Um, so I think it's a really good point. And one thing um, you mentioned there, um, Robin, I'm going to go to Camilla for this. Is you mentioned about some of the processes that you're doing and, and sort of really exciting processes. Mm-hmm. What what do they actually look like, Camilla? What are some you know exciting processes you've got up to come in that are being automated or already have been automated? Um, so we've got quite a few. So we're looking to do, uh, we're working with our, some of our primary care. So we're working with a particular GP practice near us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just about feeding information in that they mm. would usually spend a lot of time having to call around, waiting long times, calling multiple times or emailing mm. random people to try mm. and get that information on where their patients are. So it's just about feeding where that patient that they've referred into the trust is in their pathway. We're also doing some work with the cancer centre. So we've already got a number of processes running for them uh, and just understand how we can streamline it even more and using our PPM colleagues Mm. um, in the trust to understand how we can take that further. We're looking at doing work around uh, e-forms for pre-assessment. We're looking at um, notifying um, internal referrers when they've sent patients for radiology and it's actually been rejected because it doesn't meet a criteria at the moment. We don't have an electronic robust process for that and that can reach up to 200,000 patients a year. Wow. Um, loads of exciting things, working with our um, abdominal medicine colleagues, looking in to understand if we can um, streamline how they create bed list at the minute moving the same lot of information around multiple systems just because the legacy systems don't Mm. talk to each other Um, and just giving them the time back to be able to have them quality conversations with the patients and and booking the appointments which is where their time needs to be spent rather than doing the back back office admin work for them. Mm. Okay, fantastic. And so, so Leslie, I'm going to ask sort of around challenges first, because we always get into the positives. I think we're going to go challenges first. So for yourself, Leslie, from a dev perspective, I appreciate it may, you know, Rob and, and, and Camilla, you may have different sort of challenges. But from a development perspective, what challenges do you get on a daily? So, for example, and you may get a fantastic idea to sort of automate a process. What, what challenges do you get on a daily basis, Leslie? What makes it difficult for you? If any. At the moment, uh, probably one of the challenges we're really starting to see coming in now is resource. So as a solo mm. developer and with mm. the number of automations that we've got live now, more of our time is going on maintenance and less on new builds. And so that will slow me down a little bit. And um, so it's trying to work with the control room operator, Kerry, to help her understand how to troubleshoot things, to make things a bit slicker so I can get a bit of time back on the new builds. Mm. Um, in terms of other daily issues that we have, it's whenever there's a new automation using systems we've not used before, getting access to those systems can be a little bit tricky. Um, getting them installed and making sure that they actually work on our machines can be a little bit tricky. Um, but again, now that we're getting more established, we're, once those systems are in, it makes it a lot faster. 
Mm. And is that where is that where you sort of enjoy the most time? Is it new build projects you enjoy most? I can imagine. I'm a problem solver, so I like to crack. Uh, trying to solve new new problems yeah. and things like yeah, that. So going back and fixing things that are existing can be a little bit monotonous. Yeah, yeah of course. Um, unless it's a really challenging thing, but a lot of the time it's just a respire or just something's tripped yeah. over there and it's just a slight tweak. They so, tend to be really straightforward, so I like the more complex things. Yeah, I work with a lot of developers who have that mindset, so I think that's definitely a, a mindset of a, of, a, of a true developer. Um, Rob, over to, to yourself, what sort of biggest challenges with, I appreciate resource and finances, yeah. and, you know, that comes with any any NHS projects, I'd say, is a, is a fair comment. Um, yeah. But within RPA, what sort of challenges do you come about? Yeah, so other than, you know, obviously we're, we're at that point now where we've got to make it sustainable. So mm. we've not got one or two processes and, and, you know, and if something goes wrong, going back to the manual process, you know, that's not too difficult when you've got sort of one or two. Now we've got over 20, 23, 24. Wow, okay. Um, so like like Leslie said, you know, maintenance is becoming a a, a, a big thing. Mm. Um, so it's almost like, again, back to the kind of financials is like, how do we grow this team and make sure that it's, you know, to say safe and sustainable? So that's the that's the one thing. But, you know, even before we even get to the finances, it's, it's people's understanding of the technology mm. and their buy into it. So, you know, trying to, you know, work with more senior members of staff of going this you know, this is real, you know, would you invest in it? You know, so we're kind of on that, we've been on that journey and every other trust in the land will probably be on that journey, just trying to make sure that people understand and they, you know, they buy into it because actually, yes, it might not give you benefit like overnight, but, you know, one, two, three, four, five years, you know, you mm. will start to see considerable benefit of the way that we automate. So definitely sustainable resources where we want to sort of get to. Um and again, understanding. So the you know, obviously RPA is quite new for for us and for the NHS. So it's like having, you know, having a piece of technology where it needs a login, needs mm. a smart card. People, you know, our current processes of like, you know, so if a new person joins the trust, they fill in forms, they go, mm. you know, what's the name? Where do they, you know, where do they live? What does this this these you know our bots don't really have names but that's something that we might we might broach and and, and to make them more more humanized um but we don't you know i can't fill in a name and a, you know they don't have a phone number you know they do have an email address so i can put that on it <laughs> so i think there's a thing about adapting you know moving into this brave new world of going yeah you know they are like a person but not a person so you know they do need access they do need you know that that, that kind of wrap around um, so that's that's a kind of challenge. Again, it's like with service and stuff like that to go. Actually, they need they need access to the system. What? Who are they? What are they? You know, is this all signed off? You know, mm. it's like yes, we've got access to lots of systems. This is just another system that we need. Um, so so it's working with colleagues to kind of get their you know get get us established and known. Um, so when we do ask, we don't get a hundred questions every time so so really trying to do that so yeah so so in terms of my my role it is it is spreading the word and getting people Mm. you know and and we get you know lots of really positive feedback and when it's great when somebody wakes up to it and going i get Mm. it now and they sort of want to bite your arm off (laughs) and that's we're kind of on the cusp of that now um so that, that that's a really nice thing um um, but it's it's continually spreading the word, and when we talk to the region and things like that, and they go, you know, NHS England, how can you, mm. how can we help you? And it's like, 
just spread the word. We want people to be banging down our door for this stuff, um, and and that we're we're kind of on the cusp of that at the minute. So I think it's definitely um, such a you know for the past year and a bit now, it's been such a big topic in the NHS, mm. you know, RPA, which has been driven by you know certain individuals, obviously down south, Darren yeah. and whatnot. And I think now it's spreading you know throughout sort of the rest of the NHS, as it were. Um, Camilla, what about in in your position, your role? What sort of challenges do you face, if any? I think the biggest, I mean, to be fair, I was talking about it with our colleagues up at Chapel Ellerton today, is pinning down the resource needed during build and testing for me. Mm. I think because the teams are under quite substantial pressures at the moment, being able to invest the time they need to be able mm. to get the processes up and running um, is really important for us. And sometimes it can slip a little bit. And I fully appreciate that that happens and understand why it happens. But mm. We want to get out as fast as we can, just support them teams. Um, mm. And and it was really uh, nice talking to Janine today because she's like, she understood that she needs to invest that time to be able to receive mm. them benefits. And, mm. and she can see where it can help her and her team and try and relieve some of that pressure. We were talking about um, like PIFU waiting lists, for example, and how their team have to go in once a month on a new month and spend so many hours you know mm. taking away the, the churn out of that waiting list that don't need to be there anymore and just to put that on a box allows them to do something more substantial mm. with their time yeah no it's interesting okay fantastic so i'm always going to do the flip side now and i appreciate you know the, the benefits that we see must outweigh the negatives and i'm absolutely positive of that what um for you leslie again flip back to the sort of development side i think it's always good to get your sort of as the developer as the technical person within the team what sort of what what do you see benefit wise and what what makes you think you know what i've had a really good day there because this has happened what 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 makes you feel that finding new ways of working with other technical teams mm. um so we are in conversations with uh, one of the developers of ppm plus mm. uh, to try and understand how we can help each other to get an end-to-end -end automation in so they can fill in the gaps that we quite, can't quite do and then we can mm. fill in the gaps that they can't quite do and that way by working together we're getting that full end-to-end -end automation rather than us working siloed and having little pockets and trying mm. to work around each other it's mm. nice when we can find those people who are very much on board with what we're doing and are keen to work with us to work together and put in the best process for the patient mm. Mm, fantastic. Yeah, I completely understand. And Rob, same for you. What sort of what benefits are you seeing? One, for the organisation as a whole. Two, obviously, you know, you've got patient sort of benefits that you you know you may not see visibly, but you know are happening. What's what's been the sort of the, the sort of top benefits you've seen? Um, the thing for me, uh, and sort of seeing what what has already been created and what we're creating sort of today is. It's for me. It's more the sort of the patient and the staff feedback that we get. Mm. So you know, you know, sometimes when Camilla she'll explain a process that they've found and and some of the craziness around it, and you just think we can sort this out for you. So I can actually give you time back. You know, so we've got nurses scrabbling around for a mobile phone number or you know mm. an address, and you kind of go, we can just go and get that for you from the spine, mm. and they're like, can you? And it's like, yeah. It, it, so. The, the the glow that we get is around from the from the feedback from the staff and going actually I can really help you know mm. free up your day so actually you can talk to patients bots can't talk you mm. know um so that's where you know I, I want to help you know free up staff time so they can actually do the more value add 
stuff and you know everywhere's really stretched and i think that comes back to camilla's point everybody's on the on the wheel and it's like you've actually if you just get off for a second and and we can just do some service improvements and transformation actually i can i can i can help you free that time up so it's a little bit of invest to save um so yeah it's i i get it from you know when the team's had success you know staff feedback is really good you know patient feedback you know we've helped patients you know because forever you know when you're in the technical kind of role is that you don't necessarily see that frontline stuff but when you get feedback from you know nurses clinicians you know the admin teams the management teams that's where i kind of like really kind of enjoy that we're doing something good you know we're not here to cut costs and uh, you know get rid of headcount and things like that we're actually here to support so it feels really nice to do that rather than going we're putting in technology to kind of cut like half the workforce that's never where we're coming from so that's where it's kind of it's this is a really positive mm process project you know building a team of people it's a really positive thing so that's where sort of like i i, I quite enjoy this role mm, fantastic i know you've obviously moved over recently rob and mm-hmm. and you know it's really really good to hear that you're sort of you know feeling them benefits and seeing success so um it's lovely to hear camilla y- yourself what what sort of screams out the sort of successes and sort of the benefits that you're, you're seeing obviously you know you've been your post or uh, you know probably from the beginning by the sounds it when when Richard was back here what's the biggest benefit you've seen for the organization as a whole I think the first one is obviously the time given back to the team but I think it's how the team interpretate that and sometimes the teams that we work with are a little bit nervous to start with but then actually we find if a bot has needed amending for example and Leslie's had to take it off down for a few hours it's mm. the banging on the door the messaging yeah. me when are you coming back on can we have it now i was, was going to say how do you deal time? with that sort of that sort of when someone resists how, how do you deal with resistance so we try and take the teams on the journey with us so mm. we, we kind of preempt it we always do our deep dive meetings and the initial scoping out meetings with the people who are doing mm. it rather than mm. their managers or because they're the ones who know all the intricacies mm. we'll physically go and spend the time we'll myself and, and Kerry and Leslie if she's got any time and just talk them through how it can benefit them talk them through what we've done so far and what it will mean for them and that mm. it's not going to take their job like Rob said it's just about allowing them to do the job that they need to do everyone is under the pressure everyone has got tasks that just move to the bottom of the list all the time and it's them ones that we wanted to sweep up and, and take away from them the mundane repetitive mm. tasks and and just allow them to do what they want to do which is help patients which is what we all want to do in essence fantastic fantastic i know obviously there's always been a focus initially on um it's going to be a bit off topic here but there's always been a focus on sort of the back office functions and, and getting them sort of automated processed is there a real space or sort of clinical space to, to be automated using rpa have you done any of that yet or is there a space maybe that's a question for you leslie is there a space being sort of clinical applications and, and that for rpa or is that not touched yet as of yet we're not doing anything in that space yet, but we could um, at mm. the end, you know, really anything a human can do, uh, a robot can do as long as it doesn't require any uh, grey areas. You know, mm. robots are good at the black and white, let mm. humans do the grey. Um, mm. So anything that's pretty straightforward in terms of the processes and rules and logic um, certainly can do. So whether it's doing an initial set of triaging, it can be done there. Mm. I was thinking of the triage stuff, actually. That's So we have a, a, a what we call an e-triage process. Um, okay. So referral comes in, it gets put into a pot, 
um, if it doesn't, if, if the team, the human team are unsure where to put it, it'll mm-hmm. put it into a general pot. But actually, we can devise rules about the, the bot reading the referral and then okay. putting it into the right pot. So basically, we put the if we put the referral into the right pot, it'll get triaged faster and it won't get passed around the system because what will happen is it'll get put in a general pot. A clinician will read it and they go, ah, that needs to be in this other pot. Well, actually, right. if we got it right first time, that that saves again it's it's how far you you recognize that clinical work so that is you know speeding up our triage process so thus our clinical time and to deal with that stuff so we're kind of that's some of the stuff that we're kind of looking at now um yeah i think you know we're not we're not delving into the world of it's going to you know diagnose a patient you know that we're nowhere near that anything like Mm. that but it's almost how do we help that elective recovery you know, how do we speed things up? How do we take the waste out? You know, that's that's kind of what we're looking at. And, mm. and I think I think everybody in, you know, where RPA exists, that they're looking, we're all looking at the same thing. We're just at different points in the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where we, you know, like to cross notes with our, you know, centres of excellence. So you've got your Royal Free, you've got your Northampton, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're great at kind of supporting and, and demonstrating where you can get benefit and the things that they've done. They do some really, really great stuff. But I think it's looking, you know, what do we do in the region? How do we all support each other? What, what processes have you built? What's interesting? Mm-hmm. Can we share some of that code? And um, so how do we how do we sort of speed things up, you know, and getting into the, you know, the more that we can help our sort of clinical teams to, again, it's about, you know, kind of free you up to, to do that sort of patient care. So and especially when we find automations that are sort of trust wide. So we're looking at things like, you know, outcome in the clinic in terms of like the next part of the patient journey. So do they need to get back on the waiting list? Do they need to be discharged? You know, we can we can automate all that based on what the clinician wants to do, what they mm. put in the EHR. So if we can do that, then we can free up again reception time to go. Actually, let's let's talk to the patients and and check that they're okay when they're waiting. You know, when they're checking in, they'll be nervous. All those kind of things. Where actually, you know, let's try and free you up from behind the desk and mm. just looking at at, at PAS, et cetera. So mm. that's that's one of the really interesting ones that we're that we're looking at. Okay, fantastic. And in terms of um, maybe for yourself, Camilla, what's the next twelve months look like for our pay? RPA at Leeds then what, what's what's on the agenda if you can tell us what's what's the next 12 months what are the goals I think internally it is to try and grow the team and try and get some extra resource to try mm-hmm. and tackle some of, we've got an RPA backlog going at the moment just because the sheer demand that's coming through to us each day mm-hmm. I think we're really keen to work with primary care and try and do some end-to-end processes so from GPs into Leeds and back out um, and which will reduce the waste on both sides mm. and again support with the elective recovery uh, work with the teams that are on PIFU and things like that I think just communicating and joining up with with our regional and national colleagues there's so many conversations going on around the country that we're joining now and it's so beneficial to have that community between us all because we can all share the learning you know some of us are not on the same RPA platforms but there's still conversations to be had there to understand what they're working on is it something that we can incorporate at Leeds and vice versa so I think that's our our Leeds teaching hospital plan but again it's to work with our wider wider partners Mm. How do we grow as a how do we grow as a trust? How do we grow as a region? How do mm. we grow nationally? You know, so we're all it's all kind of linking together now, really, where before, you know, it felt like we were sort of on our own in the region and now everybody's 
kind of come out to play. Um, so that's really good for us because um, it, you know, again, it's it's with, you know, people like like Leslie really like meeting up with other developers, talking, mm-hmm. you know, that's mm-hmm. that's starting to come out now. So the, a network of developers, not just you know, sort of management talking about where do you want to take up, you know, really getting into the sort of bones of of the technology and how. You know what have you done? How have you made that work? You know mm. that that's sort of coming out. So there's different networks kind of appearing now. Um, so that's kind of really exciting. And then it's just just more of it. Just let's do more of it. Mm. Okay, fantastic. And sort of um, going on to the final question. Then I'm really keen to start maybe with, with Leslie. And um, didn't mean to put a, a controversial question in, but what what I put down was, um, in a world of ever changing tech, is RPA a quick fix or a long term solution? Because I have, you know, there's just always some some voices thrown around. Um, I'd really keen to hear from a development perspective your thoughts on that, Leslie. Yeah, I really like this question. Got me thinking quite a bit. Um, I suppose the the short answer is it is a long-term solution. Whilst technology is very fast-paced and forever changing, once the technology gets embedded and and people take to it, it can be around for a very long time. Uh, I mean, take COBOL language, for example, Mm. that was created in the 50s, and there are still Mm. finance systems using that now. Um, So these legacy systems do hang around, and as long as there's legacy systems, there's going to be a use for RPA. Mm. You'd hope to think, and then ideal world there wouldn't be a need for it and that things would be so quick and working together that there wouldn't be a need to bridge those systems apis would just be available iot would just make things available Um, but i think it's going to be around for a long time okay okay that's really interesting and do you think there'll be adaptations as obviously you know there's things around ai now coming in and things like that is that you know sort of how you see it expanding and, and sort of progressing yeah, well, there's already various extensions. So RPA is often the starting point, but mm. moving into your chatbots, yeah, OCR capabilities, document transformation, natural language processing, and and your sentiment analysis, um, all those kind of things. And there's always going to be more added into that, and um, especially as AI gets stronger and stronger. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what comes out more in that technology space. Okay, thank you so much, Leslie. Camilla, what about yourself from sort of an NHS perspective and, and in your position? Um, how far do you see this going? I think RPA will be around for a long time. I think it's probably not a long-term solution for specific projects and, and they'll decommission as you go through, but there'll always be something new for RPA or other automations to participate in. I think working in the NHS, we know we have old systems. I mean, at Leeds Teaching Hospitals, we use something called Clinicom, which I think a few of us trust use, and it's very teletext style, very old school. <laughs> and, and if you have systems like that, there's always going to be a need for some form of automation until mm. we can get those full integration pieces in. So I think it'll be around a long time. I think it'll just move along with the NHS mm. journey. Mm, okay, fantastic. And Rob, any sort of final thoughts on on where you sort of see this going? As I said, you know, new into this post-ish and, and you're sort of joining yeah. this journey again. Where do you see this going and how do you sort of see it sort of see it developing? Yeah, I'd absolutely agree with Camilla and Leslie on that. I think it will be around for quite a while whilst we have those legacy systems. Um, I think it's it shouldn't be, but it will be. Um, I think what, what we need to not lose sight of is around integration and standards and things like that, because, you know, what what probably will happen is a process will get automated and where it should be integrated, it gets pushed to the back of the queue. Um, so we've just got to keep mindful of going, actually, we need to do the integration and then we need to kind of move the bots out. 
Um, but there'll always be processes to automate, you know, as a, certainly as a trust of our size, there's there's mm. there's plenty to go at. Um it, yeah. Should it be a should it be a long term solution? <laughs> Not really. Is it mm. going to be? Probably. Mm. Um but uh well, you know, uh, and I think like I say, we just need to be mindful of going, you know, it shouldn't be a long term fix. It mm. should be about integration and standards and systems talking to each other directly and not have a bot sitting in between them. Mm. Okay, fantastic. Well, I'm going to end it there because I think I've stole too much of your guys' time already, but it's been absolutely fantastic to listen to you all. Um, and I've, I really appreciate it. I'm sure our listeners will.